Hey everyone, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals you have in your life. And what next steps do you need to take to get there? Welcome to episode 37. I'm your host, Darren Johnson, and our guest is Kelly Bandis. She is a writer and a comedian. She is best known for her popular Instagram and TikTok videos, millions of views, satirizing everything from millennial motherhood to social media culture, yes, even podcast hosts. And she's a brand new author. Her highly anticipated nonfiction debut, Rookie Mistakes, a grown-ups field guide for getting your act together. And I think that pretty much captures every single one of us. So if you've ever thought that you are a semi-functional adult in a dysfunctional world, this episode is for you. As you'll hear in this interview, Kelly's mission is to always empower and lift up other women through community, inclusivity, and laughter. She is a mom, she lives in Nashville, and she is here. Episode 37 is ready. Here, everyone, is Kelly Bandis. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. It's great having you here. Thanks for having me, Darren. I'm really excited to be here. I'm, I'm traveling today on business, and uh, I'm a little, little off my game. I am in my parents' closet, literally. Oh. My mom and <laughs> I put a filter up back here, but that's, in, but it looks, looks kind of chic. It looks really high end, doesn't it? Could you ever tell yeah. us I'm in a closet? I mean, you can't tell, you can't tell at all. Listen, I don't want to show you what would happen if I turned this laptop. So we're <laughs> going to forgive all background sins. We're human beings and this is that's how, right. this is life. Tell me about your family. You mentioned your kids. Where's home? So um, home now is just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, but I was born in Boston, uh, oldest of four kids. Uh, some, some of my family still, still up North, uh, a lot actually has migrated down here to Nashville, which is, which is really nice. Everybody's moving to Nashville. Isn't that my, my husband's a home builder. So it's great. Everybody come here because it keeps, keeps my lights on. Nice. Um, my kids are amazing. They're 11, eight and six, all boys. And so I just have. I mean, if I turn the camera, you would see a mountain of Legos and baseball gloves and race cars everywhere. Um, But yeah, we're, you know, we're just like anyone else uh, trying to make it through each day. COVID was, uh, well, it was a wild ride. We, so my, my youngest, we adopted in September of 2019, you know, COVID hit when it hit. And so we, when you adopt a child, um, they recommend that you do something called uh, cocooning with them to sort of um, increase attachment. So you don't really go anywhere. You don't have too many visitors. So starting in September of 2019, we were staying home. We weren't going anywhere. We weren't doing anything. So our the, the pandemic didn't, <laughs> didn't change our lives all that much um, in, in that sense. It changed our lives yeah. in, in a lot of other, in more serious ways. But so Kelly, you heard a little bit about, about my introduction of you and doesn't seem fair, right? Just a few seconds describing your life. Why don't, <laughs> why don't you, why don't you tell us who are you and how did you land in this current role and roles that you have in life? Yeah, man, that's a million dollar question. Who am I? <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like I should be paying you and on a couch to answer that question. Um, the simplest way that I can break it down is I am a stay at home comedian. I think uh, it's a, a job that uh, I have sort of made up uh, professionally before this, I have had uh, more up the middle jobs. I'm a licensed speech language pathologist. Um, but in about 2016, um, uh, sort of out of 
creative and mental health necessity, I, I pivoted to become, I guess, what's called now like a content creator. So I, I make funny videos for online. I write funny books now. Um, and yeah, and I'm a, a wife, a mom, a PTO member. Um, yeah. And so like, like many people, I wear a lot of hats. So how did you decide to make that pivot then in 2016? What was going on in your life? And how did you decide to take this direction? Not exactly maybe the easiest direction to take, but why'd you do it? Yeah, I mean, and I, I totally see it as a privilege to have been able to make that choice. Um, what was going on in my life is uh, my youngest son is adopted and mm. we were preparing for him to come home and join our family. Um, so I, I took a leave of absence from my traditional nine to five and thought, you know, I, I need to do something. I need to still be myself while I'm at home with my children, because I think a lot of times as parents, we, we get really myopic focused on parenting and parenting is beautiful and we love parenting, but you still want to have a, a means of self-expression. So I just started for fun making Instagram videos and they're so bad. They're so bad. You can, I haven't deleted a thing. You can scroll back and see it all. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I just, I, I made this pivot and, and, you know, people started reaching out and, and saying they, they enjoyed them and it was a great break in their day to, you know, have a laugh. And, and so getting that kind of feedback made me think like, wow, I, maybe I should keep doing this. And, and uh, also importantly, I really enjoyed doing it. It was fun. Yeah. Um, it gave me an opportunity to, you know, be goofy and laugh and, and sometimes include my kids in the process, my husband in the process. And it was a good way for all to all of us to just like not take life so seriously. Um, even when life was hard, we could we could find things to laugh about together. Yeah, you're, you're a real talent. For those who haven't seen uh, uh, Kelly's videos yet, you need to follow her on Instagram and on TikTok. Very, very creative um, and just laugh out loud um, and really sharp, sharp insights. In fact, I'm a little self-conscious because I'm afraid there's going to be a parody video on podcast hosts. <laughs> there already is one. Don't worry. It won't be. Wait a minute. So am, am, I, am I falling right into the trap here? Am I doing everything <laughs> in the parody? No, listen, I give all the props in the world to podcast hosts and creators. I am a, a voracious podcast listener. They're my favorite thing. So any, any parody done is with love and admiration. Yeah. Well, maybe my favorite uh, video you have so far, so far is the, uh, I think it's the toxic relationship with your internet service provider. That, oh, that, yeah. one, <laughs> that, one, that one I can relate to. Oh um, yeah. Our, I think we all can. <laughs> well, so growing up then, were you, were you trained in this? Did you know this is the direction you wanted to take your life into high school and college to, to take us back to those days? Yeah. I think I always wanted to make people laugh. I have a very, very funny family. I am, I say this in all honesty, the least funny person in my family. Really? So I, I was always sort of like jockeying for a chance to like make the funniest joke and never succeeding. Um, and so, yeah, for, I've wanted to do this for a long time. I think I, I don't have any like formal training. I didn't start doing like classes or anything till I, you know, in the last couple of years, um, in the pandemic, I started taking some classes, but, um, no, I, I think I just really enjoy making people laugh. Um, and as a woman, I think as I started to like go into my career, I felt a lot of pressure, probably internally and externally to do a job that would help people. Um, Mm. because I derived a lot of my self-worth from that, from, 
you know, I can hang my hat on this thing because in my career, I help kids. And so it was a lot about finding something that could, that could scratch that itch. Um, and what I sort of discovered is that that's really great. And there's a lot of value in that, but there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. You don't just have to be things that are straight up the middle. People, you can help people by making them laugh, making them smile, making them think, you know, creating art right. is a way to help people as well. Um, and so I think once I sort of realized that, that was really freeing and exciting for me. Um, and so, yeah, it's been sort of a weird journey. I've when I was writing my book, I started thinking about all the jobs that I've had <laughs> over the course of my life. Um, you know, this being the most the most recent one, and I've had so many. I sound it sounds crazy, but I think a lot of us it it takes your whole life to to figure out who you are and what you want to be, and that changes. Yeah, and so it? you know, we we change careers, we change fields, um, and so and so realizing that has been has been really nice. You know, I love, I love what you were saying there. There's a lot there to uh, follow up on. You know, your book is called Rookie Mistake. And we're going to talk about that more in depth. But what I hear you describing are just some of those mistakes that no matter what age in life, we all make these rookie mistakes. And, and we're always learning. We're all, our careers are zigzagging. And, and as long as we have that attitude of, of looking for that area where we can be happy and make others happy. But what, what did you learn through this process, Kelly, about how to really find that that area with which you're, you're tapping into who you are, but also helping others in a really cool way? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think that, you know, like you said, a lot of times we're, we're working to pay the bills and that, that takes priority. And I, I completely value that and understand that. I think it's about finding the pieces of yourself in whatever work you're doing and finding the pieces that bring you the most fulfillment and the most joy and helping to expand those. So if you're, I don't know, let's say you're a teacher and you're feeling drained, but you love when you get to do creative projects with your kids, pouring yourself into those facets of your work and then just kind of building it out as much as you can. Um, I think that's what I did. I was working um, as a speech pathologist, but in you know, the midnight hours, I, or I was burning the midnight oil writing this blog. Um, and, and so I would find ways in, in my work as a speech pathologist, like, you know, working with the kids, oh, it would give me an idea for the blog. Oh. So just, just finding those little glimmers of, of joy in your work and allowing them to kind of feed whatever builds you up creatively. I, I think that's a good way to start anyway. It's good advice. So now on TikTok, I think one of your, well, your view, uh, the videos have millions, millions of views, uh, unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, at what point did you really get the sense that, wait a minute, there's, there's something's breaking through here. At what point did, did that happen? And then what did you do next? Um, I think it was probably, you know, mid 2020 where, where, you know, everyone's just on their phones trying to connect with people. Um, and it seemed like, you know, my videos were starting to do, to do really, really well. Um, and so I just really, at that point, I just really leaned into it. And I thought, you know, whatever is tickling me seems to be tickling other people. Um, I think before that I was maybe perhaps a little bit more conscious of like, do I think this video will hit before I even created it? Right. Um, and at that point, I just sort of thought, you know, what I think is funny, that's what I'm going to put out there. Um, 
my sense of humor is my sense of humor. It's not going to change. It's, you know, I'm not going to change it based on an algorithm or, you know, what's viral right now. Um, and, and so, yeah, I just really started leaning into being silly. I'm a huge, like so many people, a huge Conan O'Brien fan. I love how he just leans into whatever he thinks is silly and, and plays with that. And, and so I think that afforded me just sort of the confidence, um, to do that, to just lean yeah. into being silly. Why we like to overthink things, don't we? <laughs> we oh, I, yeah. I mean, that's the name of the game when you're a person. We're just right. think things to death and then never do anything at all. Right. No, that, that's a trap. Uh, and, and thanks for sharing that. So uh, we're, we're, all, we're all in the same boat here, right? We, we yeah. may be trying to look at chasing a big goal, but yet we just overthink it. And so much so that we just don't do a thing. So, yeah, um, completely. Yeah, great, great example of that. All right. So now your, your brand, this is your debut nonfiction book, Rookie Mistakes. Tell me, why, why did you decide to write this book and why the title, why this one? I, I, I really have to know. It's a fantastic read. Thank you. Um, why did I decide to write it? I started writing it before I ever knew it was going to be anything. Again, just sort of reiterating the point of just creating art or creating something for yourself. Um, I started writing the book before I there would, thought there would be any interest. I didn't have the social media following that I have oh, now really? when I started really? writing. Yeah, I just, you know, you just sometimes have to create. I don't know. I think I think a lot a lot of us are just designed probably you included to just create, to get it out. Um, yeah. And so that's how the process started. The, the title Rookie Mistakes comes, it's sort of a, a nod to my days in baseball, but um, the idea being that no matter how old you are, this is your first try at being a person, whether you're 98 or eight, you've never been this iteration of yourself before. So you're gonna screw up you're going to make mistakes and it's, it's about how you respond to them. Um, but not in a preachy way, not in a prescriptive way, sort of like, here are the ways I have royally messed up. Here's how I responded. And maybe you can see yourself on these pages. Oh, that's great. You have a great writing style. Very, com very conversational. I love it. <laughs> hey, hey, your story of your dad, your story of your dad, uh, uh talking about Fenway park, about, about, the experience of your of of you seeing Fenway Park for the first time, but a beautiful line in there is about is about how your dad watching you experience Fenway Park for the first time. If you don't mind, t tell us just a little more about that experience for those who haven't read the book yet. It's just beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I think as parents, we could everyone can identify with this moment, even if you're not a baseball fan. Yeah. Um, watching your child do something for the first time is transformative. Um, so the story in the book is about um, my dad has two tickets to a, a Red Sox game. And so, you know, I grew up in Boston, you know, a lot, a lot of cities can identify with the, with the, um, the, the sports team sort of coursing through your DNA from the moment that you're born. So two tickets to a Red Sox game was a big deal. Yeah. It's going to take my younger brother uh, who had no interest in going. So I was sort of, bumped to the front of the line. And it was just a really, really special night. Um, I didn't think I was going to get to go to this game as, you know, as the daughter, you know, I was not the first choice. Um, but in getting to experience that with my dad, him choosing to share something with me that I don't think was really like a natural, 
a natural choice really created this bond between us that continues to this day. I still text him about Red Sox games that I'm watching. And it's, it's been something that's really bonded us together. Um, the idea that something that was sort of unexpected that would bring us together has and has carried us through now 30 years later, um, I think is, is something that a lot of, a lot of families can relate to what, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be oh. sports. Um, but yeah, him looking at me, looking at Fenway for the first time as a parent. Now I can experience that through his eyes and think that must've been, that must've been really cool. That must've been really a really special moment. And you know, it's, it's Beautiful. carried us through all this time. It's beautiful. Isn't it, isn't it true though? Oftentimes it's the, uh, it's those unplanned things as parents that when you're just a little more spontaneous and you're just looking for those experiences, the unplanned things oftentimes where the memories come from. I remember taking my kids when they were younger, they're, my kids are all out of the house. Now we drove to Disneyland, right? From, <laughs> from Evansville, Indiana, just a oh, wow. road trip. Oh my gosh. A road trip, right? Yeah. I think I dropped, yeah, you can imagine I dropped thousands of dollars on that trip, right? As a parent. And for Disneyland, for the experience. And you know what they remember most about that trip? What? Uh, it was the pool at the Hampton Inn in Memphis, <laughs> Tennessee. <laughs> right? I mean, that tracks. That completely tracks. Right. Hey, you know what? As Reading the reviews of this book, here, here's one that I, I caught. That this book, your book, is a call to action for millennial women everywhere. So I, why do you think... Why do you think that is? Is that how you view your book? And if so, why is it this call to action? What is there about this? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the call to action is to sort of retake who we are, um, to embrace who you are as a person and feel comfortable sharing that with the world. I think for those of us who grew up in the 90s or sort of came of age in the 90s, early 2000s, it was so much about making yourself small, both physically and you know, personality-wise. It was don't take up a lot of space, don't be the loudest voice in the room, don't raise your hand too much. Um, and I think this unlearning process for a lot of us who are now kind of coming into our 30s and 40s about taking back all the things that we, we kind of cast off to make ourselves small, that's the call to action, that's the you know, now, I don't want to say now is our time. That sounds dramatic, but you know, it's, it's about being who you are and who you are is great and enough and it's worth sharing with people. Yeah. You know, I've heard that theme from so many of my podcast guests. That's that same, same language you're using about playing small and, and not taking up much space and, and not, not feeling seen. Where, if, where did that come from? And is it, has it always been there? Or was it unique to the nineties? Right. What, what do you think? Yeah, that's really, that's a really interesting question. I think it has always been there. Um, I think a lot of it was, you know, Hollywood culture, all of these actresses that we were seeing were really literally small, um, uh -huh. not, not giving their bodies what they needed to, you know, be, be healthy. Um, and so that's what we saw on our screens. But I think that the sentiment that women don't need to take up a lot of space has been around forever. Um, and, and it's just, you know, slowly, we've slowly chipped away at that over time. Um, and so I don't know that it's unique to my generation. I just know that my generation is now getting their chance to have their voice and we're saying no more. Um, you know, my, my friends and I, and people that I know sort of from the, the content creation space um, have all sort of, like you said, echoed the sentiment that, you know, now is, now is the time where we're sort of getting to realize who we, 
who we are without those boundaries of, you know, being small and, and feeling the need to, to do that. So I think it's just, you know, it's our chance to speak up about it. And maybe we're, maybe we're repeating the message of, of, of women that have come before us and we're just standing on their shoulders, but we just want to shout it louder now. You know, I do a little coaching now and then with, with uh, younger leaders coming up and for the female leaders, I'm, I'm generalizing now for the younger female leaders. One of the things that I speak to them about are things like watching your language, just being aware of the language you use. And it's the, the language you use and the way that you have this posture when you are uh, in meetings or negotiating a salary, it, it, it makes a huge difference. How, how might I coach a younger leader, maybe a younger female leader, and how to use your power, how to use your language in a way that sets you up for success? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Um, I think what I need to hear the most is that in those settings, it does not matter if you're the most liked person in the room. You are asking for something that you need, that you deserve. And so being liked doesn't need to be a part of the equation. Being respected, being worthy, those are the important things. Um, and don't use undercutting language. I'm so guilty of saying something that I know is right, that I know is correct, and then going, does that make sense? Of course it makes sense. Yeah. But you sort of, you, you, uh, you know, cut yourself off at the knees when you, when you use that kind of language. I'm sure, I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Um, but I do that so I don't come off as abrasive or bossy or aggressive. Um, and those things, they don't describe leaders. They describe women who are trying to be kept in their place. You don't hmm. use words to describe men that way. Um, you would say, oh, he commands the room. He's a great leader. That's so right. it's, it's not about being liked. It's about presenting yourself in a manner in which you, you know your own worth. I could end it right there, but I'm not. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. You know, and for, but for those younger leaders who are listening in, just be aware of the language you're using and how is that helping you or undercutting you? And I think you'll be surprised. I know I, I did that for myself, uh, self-assessment on it. And I was stunned at the language I was using. Uh, that didn't help me. All right, Kelly, this, the, the book. Um, I've heard from authors that when they're writing this type of a book, nonfiction, they're going back in time and their childhood, et cetera. Boy, you can really uncover some things that are really tough to walk through. And Tell me about that for you. Was that your experience? And what were some of those, what was that journey like for you as you told your story? Oh, that is my experience to a T. I'm very lucky to be in therapy throughout the course of writing this book. So that was mm. super helpful. Um, yeah, probably some of the, the more difficult chapters to write were um, about my struggle with mental illness as a child, um, something that I still struggle with today, and the chapters about uh, where I talk about adoption. Um, those were both really, really challenging to write and, and read. When I recorded the audiobook. we had to stop a couple of times because I was just getting verklempt. Um, but I think that it was a really you know, cathartic exercise to kind of purge all of that and get it out. And, you know, we don't, we don't want to just like trauma dump on people when we meet them. But I think getting those stories out to the world so they didn't feel like secrets was was very freeing as a young adult you think that you're going to hit this point at which you are fully realized like by the time i'm 35 i'm gonna have a career i'm gonna be married i'm gonna have kids my life is gonna look like x and i'm gonna be set and i think that that's been true 
for a lot of people for a long time. And I, I think that's how we get stuck. I think that's how we get really polarized, um, a really polarized culture because people think they've learned one thing and that's the last thing they need to learn and they never need to learn anything else or think about anything differently. Right. Um, and, and what I have come to understand is that the best way to live your life is to figure it out again and again and again and fail and mess up and then learn from those things. Um, and even though that's way harder and exhausting sometimes and costs a lot of money in therapy, I think it's the best way to experience life and help your kids understand that they don't have to have it all figured out. Um, I think that's a trap to think that at some point you're gonna be great. Everything's gonna be good. You'll be kosher, no problems. Um, so I, I'm excited to be in this part of my life where I just know that I don't get it. And how, you know, I'm not, this isn't my original thought, but how narcissistic could we be to think we would reach a point at which we would just get it. We would know all like that's, we would be a deity if that were the case. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think there's a little bit of relief in knowing that I'm just not going to know everything ever. What are you currently working on right now that is just giving you a lot of purpose and a lot of joy? And we may have been talking about it the entire podcast, but any, anything new that you're working on right now? Um, well, I think one thing that's come out of the book, and so it's not, not necessarily new, but one of the facets of the book that I, I have been talking more about is the mental health aspect of it. Um, I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder when I was 11. Um, and the amount of people that have reached out to me about that facet of the book has been way more than I would have expected. And getting to have those conversations and helping to sort of normalize that experience, whether it was for them or for their kids, um, has been really impactful for me. And, and um, I'm really grateful to be able to have those kinds of conversations with people I never would have expected. Right. Um, and so, so that's been really interesting to me and in thinking about future projects, um, you know, perhaps talking about that more, leaning into that a bit more, because I think it's something that so many people are experiencing and just maybe just now starting to feel comfortable discussing. Well, I get chills when you said that. I, I just, I mean, in what way, Kelly, are, wait, let me ask it this way. What, what's your biggest surprise or takeaway from these conversations? Bottom line, line it for me. What's really the, the message or the takeaway from all these conversations? I think that we're all living the same life in different houses. I think <laughs> we, we all think you can feel so alone, um, whatever you're walking through. But in reality, so many people have experienced something similar to what you're experiencing. Maybe not you know, exactly the same, but I've been so pleased to see that these stories that I've told with the purpose of, of you know, maybe mirroring some other people's experiences have done that and that people have felt comfortable reaching out to say, oh, I've been through something similar or, you know, I've been through something similar, but I didn't experience it that way. I saw it differently than you. Wow. Um, and to be able to practice having conversations with people who experience things differently is, is, has also been really, really a good fruit of the project. Just a few minutes ago, we were talking about how you just took that step you took action and you never know what's going to come out of that. You just never know, but wow, there's life is just so surprising how, when you take that step, there are things over, over the horizon and we just cannot see. Isn't that the way yeah. it works? 
Yeah, that's, that's exactly true. You just have to kind of take that leap of faith and you just don't, you don't know what's going to come next. And, and a lot of times that, that piece of it, that, that big reward is something you never would have seen coming. Yeah. Well, congratulations for, for having the courage to write about it in your book and also then for just following this to see where this might lead. And you're going to be helping even more people than you are right now. So I'm excited to see where that, where that takes you. Thank you, Darren. So how should we follow you, Kelly, and all the cool videos and things you're working on? Where should we go? Um, the easiest place is Instagram. I'm at Kelly underscore Bandis. TikTok, uh, I'm at Kelly underscore underscore Bandis because I'm old and I made an account on TikTok and then got locked out of it. So <laughs> the good content is at that double underscore place. Someday I'll have a, a virtual assistant who can help me streamline all this. But for now, it's just a, a one woman shop. Hey, what, what is your creative process like, Kelly? Uh, when you are thinking about content to create, do you sit down for an hour and say, okay, it's nine o'clock in the morning, I'm going to create content? Or is it something different than that? What is that creative process like for you? Um, I need to take a class on uh, how to like batch content and plan things out. Um, I am someone who kind of strikes when the inspiration is hot. And so I will, you know, have an idea and just shoot it. I wish that I had like a, a methodology to tell people like, oh, this is great. All you have to do is X, Y, and Z. Um, but I think I, what I mentioned a little bit earlier is, is like as a creative person, it's sort of like an, an act of purging. Um, I have an idea, I think of it, and so I have to create it. So I'll be, you know, playing cars with my kids and I'll think, oh, American Idol auditions are really stupid. And then I'll be like, I can't play right now. I got to go make this video. Um, and so I'm sure they grow weary of that. But um, I also think it's like you have an itch and you have to scratch it. Right. And so you just, you have to go create something. Kelly, for those who are listening who may, maybe they're, um, maybe they, um, they've been diagnosed with OCD or maybe what you're saying here is really connecting with them. What, what, what advice or guidance do you have for them on what, what they should be thinking or doing um, if, if they're thinking about how to get, how to seek help and what, what to do about that? Yeah. Um, I think what's really interesting is it, you know, I was diagnosed when I was 11. I didn't know until I was well into my thirties that what um, that my type of OCD was something that other people experienced. So I think the best advice I can give is find a therapist that you're comfortable with, who will explain your diagnoses to you so that you have the full picture of what's going on and so that you can attack it from a way that works for you. Um, mental health is not one size fits all. It's not mm -hmm. a, you know, a, of course there's medication for it, but it's not, you know, you have a headache, take an Advil. It's, it's a really long process um, and different things will work for different people. And don't get discouraged if the first thing you try doesn't work for you because it will get better. Um, but it's about finding the right match of, you know, if you choose to take medication, if you choose to do therapy, if you choose to do things, um, you know, meditation or, or whatever works for you specifically. Wow. Kelly, this is the I Dare You podcast. Those who are listening in, they have big goals they're chasing. They want to live a better life. So here you are talking to the vast I Dare You podcast audience, what advice do you have for people who may be thinking about doing something big and bold in their life? What do you think? My best advice would be to go for it. You know, start writing the book, start making the videos, start the business, you know, start whatever it is, however small, however much time you can dedicate it, start 
today. It can be, you know, the best way to form a habit is to just do little things consistently. So if you can carve out 10 minutes a day, um, just word vomiting into your notes app on your phone, your big ideas, just start doing small things today. And eventually you'll be able to carve out the time that you really desire for it. But if you wait till you have all the time, you'll never do it. So just start today. That's great advice. Thank you. And I'm going to end it right there. Kelly, it's been fun to have you on the podcast. Uh, for those that that have not been following her yet on Instagram and TikTok, make sure you do so. You're a real talent. and just love how authentic you are on those videos, but also right here in this podcast. And if I see a parody video with a podcast host, a new one, I'm taking offense. All right. Thank you for being here, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. Well, that's Kelly Bandis, everyone. I hope you enjoyed getting to know her and where she's taking things and how she is helping others. You can follow her on Instagram and TikTok. If you're not already doing so, I encourage you to do that. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at Darren Johnson one Leave me a message. Let me know how you're liking these episodes. And also, while you're at it, follow this podcast at I Dare You Pod. There you'll get behind-the-scenes insights and interviews and content you won't get anywhere else. I want to thank you for listening. number of uh, downloads is just spiking right now. It all because of you. You're listening and you're sharing. So I just want to let you know how much I appreciate that. And we are now getting ready for episode 38. I cannot believe it. Uh, 38. It's coming up next week. We're wrapping it up. I can't wait for you to hear this one. Another incredible guest. Stay tuned. I'll see you next week.